Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. We are beginning a new series called Light of the World, and we're going to be talking about how Jesus breaks into our lives as that light. I do want to announce beforehand, though, that uh, we have uh, on December 23rd, we will not be having Bridge Kids, uh, the Bridge Kids Church, our children's church will be meeting in here. We will still have our six p.m. service, so we're asking some of you to consider, if you're not serving that day, consider going to the 6 p.m. service. Now, I said this very exact thing at the 4 p.m., and people walked up to me and like, so, okay, no 6 p.m. service. We're all combining for the 4 p.m. I was like, how did I just... So I'm going to say these words again, praise God. We will be having a 6 p.m. service. We're asking some of you to go to the 6 p.m. service because we're having a 4 and 6. Amen? Amen. All right, so um, we're in a new series, and, um, and, and what, one of the things that um, we really want to communicate is that life is crazy, and, and some of you have experienced the craziness of life. And you know, sometimes you, you're, you're not able to capture, like you're not able to be able to say, like, what is the craziness of life, and how do you capture it in phrases? But, you know, there's a phrase that we say, you know, if you've ever, for those of you that are in the single season of your life, praise God. If, you've, if you met somebody one time, you met them and you liked them, okay? And then, and then all of a sudden, there was some kind of number exchange. I mean, there was this, some kind of exchanging of information. Then there came a point where you guys figured we like each other and we're together. Whatever you decided to call that, you're together. Then all of a sudden, it was like, this is good, this is good. And you looked at each other like, this is good. Then one day, the person got weird, okay? They were weird, and things got weird, and they're weird, or I'm weird, but it's some weirdness is now in the relationship. And you said, man, this is weird. They say this is weird. You know what? No time for weird. We're not going to be weird together. So you guys broke up, right? And it's just like you don't even want to go through all that. But all of a sudden, one day, um, the person texts you and says, hey, I got tickets to this poetry deal. And you go, oh, that's so weird. I mean, we're not even together. I mean, what is that about? I mean, you got tickets to this deal. How you going to just hit me up? So you text them back, what time? Just what, just, well, what time? I just want to, you know, what time is it at? Well, all of a sudden you decide, you know what? I'm going to go. And so you go. And y'all, now y'all there together. And now you're at the poetry thing together and you're snapping figures and you're like, mm, and you're just taking it all in and it's amazing. And then all of a sudden your friends look over and they go, hey. Y'all got back together. And you look at them and you go, ah. And you know what you want to say from across the room? It's complicated. I mean, it's complicated. I can't really tell you what we are. We're a little confused about where we're at now. We need to define this thing. But you're there. And that phrase, honestly, could capture so much. You know, some of you guys are going to go back to your your friends and your family, mostly your family. And as you sit there, your uncle's going to be there at the table. He's going to say, sit down now. You out there in New York? Yeah. Now tell me about your career. I mean, you have a job. What is it? You making money? How you doing? It's complicated. It's complicated. I mean, I'm in a career. I don't know if I like it. Praise God. 
for some of you that are allergic to carbs like I am, uh, you know, you, you, you tried some diets and the things are working out. Your auntie looked at you and said, you're gaining some weight, baby. And you just look at them and like, I'm trying, I'm trying to work out, but I don't work off the stuff that I eat. And so you're just in this struggle and it's complicated. You look at some of you and, you, you know, you, you, those of you that have kids and, you know, you're, you have those cousins that don't have kids and they look over to you and they go, Do you love your kids, don't you? You love them. I love them. I know you love them. They're wonderful. And the mom is sitting there like, I do love my kids, but it's complicated. I mean, I'm with them all day or I'm doing all this stuff and they're just wearing me out and they argue all the time and they're crazy. I love them, but it's complicated. You come to this time of the year, and you start realizing things are weird, things are hard, and you've set some goals this year, and some of them you reach, but there's some parts of your life that are just not working the way you want it. It's, it's complicated. And it's this, at this time of the year, we start realizing that there are problems that we can't solve, that there are people we can't control, and there are expectations we can't meet. And we sit under the weight of the word still. I'm still single this time of the year. I'm, I'm still at this same job. I'm still in this same place. And I'm still having some of the same struggles. Still. That's complicated. And the more that you look outside of you, you realize there's complications in life, but... If you're honest, there's things inside of you that you wish that were different. There are emotions you're still holding on to. There are people you still are struggling to forgive. There are things, there are emotions and, and, and fears that you're trying to manage. And the truth of the matter is, it's not just that the world outside of you is complicated. But if you look inside of you, that you realize that you're a problem you can't solve. That you're a person you can't seem to control. And that you set expectations other people can't meet. And the truth of the matter is, is that you're complicated. It's not just that life out there has all its complications, but inside of you, there are these things that you struggle with and you wrestle with. And somewhere in this complicated world where the things outside of me are inconsistent, weird, and strange, and the things inside of me are inconsistent, weird, strange, I need something to stabilize my life. I need something at the center of my life. And it is at this time of the year, though we want it to be the most wonderful time of the year, it is at this time of the year that we are able to reflect not just of the goodness inside all of our circumstances or all the goals that we have reached, but it is also a time for us to remember the birth of Jesus. Because the birth of Jesus is a reminder for us that there is someone who stabilizes and anchors our world. Matthew, Mark, Luke, these are three writers of what we call the Gospels. And when they wrote these Gospel stories, they were in essence telling the story of Jesus and his life. When they tell that story, they generally start off with the birth of Jesus, and in fact, they all do, but there's one writer who does not talk about the birth of Jesus, and that is John. John ends up writing not about the birth announcement, but he writes at a time when there were difficult things happening. 
And when he wrote, he spoke into the difficulties in the world. John was an old man when he wrote. John had seen many, many, many things. And as we look in the book of Acts, we see that John most likely spoke as an eyewitness. And many others would recognize John as someone who was a storyteller, telling his story to the world. When John wrote this gospel, it was a horrible time, y'all, a crazy time. And I know that we live in crazy times and we're in situations where we look at the government and everything is polarized, but it's sometimes it's good to sit with someone who's been living a little longer, whose stories understand, connect back to a time that harkens way back so we can see some other people who had to uphold under governments that were inconsistent, weird, strange. General Vespasian, he was a general under Nero. And when John wrote this, General Vespasian was working his way into Galilee. As he worked his way into Galilee, where there were all these Jews, General Vespasian was killing off Jews and placing them into slavery, one city and one town after another. The Roman Empire, which was essentially annexing different cities and towns, expanding its border one day after another, finding itself slaughtering millions of Jews. They would also put over 300,000 men, women, and children into Roman slavery. It was at this time that John was writing that he would understand that the city of Jerusalem would go into a plague, that many people starved to death. But the Roman army was trying to get into Jerusalem to take it out. And even to the point where there was a Jewish war and the temple that they had, where they worshiped at, was destroyed and burnt to the ground. Anyone trying to flee Anyone that would, was trying to flee and was captured was crucified. Now listen, as many as 500 crucifixions happened a day. John had seen it all. and He experienced so much in a dark time. And you think about John, he would later on have his friends taken out by Nero. Nero would take out Peter. Nero would end up taking out Paul. He destroyed all his friends. But what Paul would rather, what John would want from this is that the people in the midst of a dark time, when people were inconsistent, weird, strange, that people were dying off, that they would still believe. Look at what it says in John chapter 20. Verses 30 through 31. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. He says, man, there are so many things I could tell you that Jesus did, and I couldn't capture it all here that I wrote. But he says in verse 31, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. 
Now, the reason why this is important is that this is written about 80-some years later after the birth of Jesus. And when Jesus was born, there was a guy named King Herod. And King Herod was taking out babies. He was slaughtering young boys. King Herod would kill members of his own families. King Herod was taking out rabbis. This is when Jesus was born. 80 years later, now you've got Nero taking out people, killing people, slaughtering people, Millions of people put in slavery, put on crucifix, and there you have John writing and saying, I'm writing that you would still believe in his name because I'm sure the people were like, still? My, my, my family's still getting taken out? I remember, I remember my mom. I remember my, my, my friend, my, my, my family talking about how there were slaughter and there was pain and this is still happening, oppression and injustice that my family's family's family still were talking about. This is still happening. What good is Jesus if he is not transforming my circumstance? Still, 80 years later, John writes, because what the Jews wanted is what we all want. The Jews wanted not just a spiritual king, they wanted a political revolution. The Romans were oppressing the Jews. And so the Jews wanted Jesus to step to King Herod. He wanted Christians to be able to fight against Nero. And now, don't get it twisted. In no way are we to understand that Jesus was cool with the oppression of the time. Jesus flipped over tables to fight oppression. Jesus called out Pharisees, but Jesus made it seem that there was a world that we should fight against oppression, but there's still oppression even after Jesus leaves. That must mean that there must be hope beyond this world. John writes and says, I wrote that you would still believe that you would believe that there is life in him. And so in John chapter one, John doesn't write about a birth narrative. He writes about something clarifying in a dark world. John chapter one, verses four and five. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Instead of talking about where Jesus was born and how Jesus was born, John writes, look, we are living in a dark time. And he says, in him was life. Now, you have to understand that this literally says, in him life was. That the essence of what they were talking about was that there was something life-sustaining about encountering Jesus. That there was something fulfilling about knowing Jesus. That Jesus would say, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Or some would say, have it to the full. That you would experience the fullness of life and not life on midway or life on empty, but life to the full. And what Jesus was showing us is that life in him 
is the life. <laughs> it's the life. It's the life that God intended. What does this tell us? Well, logic. Life is not found in life. Life is found in Jesus. That it does not matter if you, 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 you are going to, some of you are going to experience great success in life. Some of you are going to have kids. Some of you are going to have family. Some of you are going to reach goals and you're going to go beyond those goals. And you're going to find that when you get to that next goal, that even though that goal is giving you a better life, it's still not the life. That the life that God intended is meant for someone Someone sustaining, someone that can fulfill you because you were made for a relationship with Jesus and any other experience of life is good, but it is not what God fully intended. So he says life. He is life. Amen? Amen. Jesus is life. And he says now, this life was the Light, not a light, the light in a complicated, dark world characterized by death, murder, and, 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 and oppression and injustice. He could offer a fully overflowing life. And he says, this life is light. That the light of Jesus would be working and emanating in his people. And it would shine throughout the nations, through his people. And they would see full people who have abundant lives, enjoying him. He says, oh, this is the life. And the light was the light. The life was the light of men. And then he says, in this last part, in verse five, the light shines in the darkness, but there's good news. The darkness has not overcome it. The light, that's what he says, listen. The light shines. The light shines. Everyone should be able to see this light. It's shining. Even in the midst of darkness, but the darkness just can't seem to overwhelm it. <laughs> it. You know, I am in no way a Greek scholar. I just look it up like everybody else. Praise the Lord. Uh, but um, this Greek word here for overcome is so cool. Because the word has kind of a double meaning. If you were to look in um, another version, actually, the, I think the New American Standard, it says the darkness, has not, uh, the darkness could not comprehend it. So some versions say the darkness could not overcome it or take it out. But this, uh, another version say could not comprehend. The, the Greek word, it, it, it wrestles to be able to communicate something about comprehension and taking it down, but yet the thing still existing. You ever have somebody say something to you? Like, you know, somebody says something a few times, they say it a few times, they say it a few times, and you don't really know what they said, but you pretend you knew what they said. You go, uh-huh, uh, what? What? Uh-huh? What? Uh-huh? What'd you say? Wait, What? Okay, and you just go, okay, and the person goes, what they say? You're like, I don't even know, I don't know. 
I don't know. I just, it was an awkward moment. You know what I'm saying? It felt weird, right? I mean, imagine if, if someone who speaks Spanish looked at me and said, uh, vida. I'm like, what? Vida. What? Vida. What? I don't know what they said. And even though I didn't comprehend it, it doesn't take out the fact that they were saying life, 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 life. The fact that I'm unable to comprehend doesn't take away their voice. The fact that the darkness does not comprehend the light doesn't take away the light. And even though we see people come and go, what it's saying is Jesus has never been able to be overcome but he still shines in a dark world. And everything else can be overcome. Everything else can be taken out. This is the tension that we live with, that we strive for goals. Amen, don't you strive? Aren't you at this time of the year where you got vision boards and you're trying to do something? You want to be special in your mind. And you've got these goals that you set. But he's saying life is in him. Many of you have possibly watched Creed 2, which is Rocky 2000, right? Um, I have watched every Rocky. I have not watched Creed yet. Um, but... I remember in the first Rocky, there Rocky is, he's just a guy that works in this, basically like a butcher shop, and they're, they're in Philly, and he runs up and down the steps, and he's got this incredible moment, right? Apollo Creed was a championship boxer, and Apollo Creed said he, the guy he was going to fight wasn't able to make it for the fight, and so... Uh, he ends up saying, you know what, I, I want to be able to fight a local guy and give him a shot. And so that's how Rocky gets his chance. Rocky signs up to fight this guy, Apollo Creed. Adrian, Rocky's wife, looks over at him and says, you're going to get killed, just like an encouraging wife would say. <laughs> says, you're going you're to get killed. You, you can't do this. I mean, Rocky, it's Apollo Creed. You, you work at a meat shop. You got this guy. He's going to take you out. And he looks over at his wife, and he says, if I can make it 12 rounds, I'll know I'm not a bum. And many of us, many of us, when we come to the end of the year, we've set these goals, not because they're goals, but because they're our God. We want to know our identity. If I can just do this, I know I'm somebody. And it's not because you just want to achieve. It's because you're trying to find an identity. You're trying to be somebody, but you're already somebody. He's saying life is in him and to find our identity in him. And let me tell you, when you reach that goal, it won't be good enough. It won't be fulfilling enough. It won't, it won't be savory enough. It won't be special enough. You, you can get all the applause. The applause won't be enough. You can have the goal. The goal won't be enough. You can get the girl. The girl won't be enough. You can get the platform. The platform won't be enough. The only thing is enough is the thing that could not be overcome by the darkness. That is the light. That is the light of Jesus. Now, these are th this, is, this is the thing. This is the thing. Listen, listen. This is not something you've, some of you have never heard. John said, I wrote this so that you would believe. That you would believe. That you would 
place your identity onto him, that you would place your faith onto him, that you would not set these little goals, this little ladder that you created, because we all got a little ladder, you know? We all got these miniature goals, you know? These little things we've set up to make ourselves feel like we're somebody, that we're not a bum. And we must challenge ourselves to not try to find ourselves in the goals we've set. Because the truth of the matter is, is that when you reach a goal, life's a little less complicated. You lost the weight. You look good. Praise God. You're in a relationship now. Ooh, you got the job. Amen. Life's a little less complicated. But even when life gets a little less, less complicated, there's another season with complications. The very thing that made life less complicated will become complicated. Trust me. Trust me. And so... Why is, why is Jesus this thing for us that is so hard to wrap our minds around, to believe in his name, to believe? Every morning I wake up, I have a devotional. I try to every morning. I don't every morning, but I, I hope to every morning. I try to have a um, devotional each morning. And when I spend time with Jesus one of the things that I'm, I'm trying to do is I'm actually trying to just cleanse my mind of all the things that, ha that are happening because this is what I generally do. Now, I know that some of you are more spiritual than me, so when you look at this, you'll just say, pray for, pray for me. Pray for where I'm at with God because I need to grow. But listen, this is what I do. Sometimes I wake up, and the first thing I do is I check my texts, and there's complicated things that I get texts about. Then I'll check my news feed, and there's just a bunch of complicated madness on there. And then I actually, this is what I do in the mornings, I contemplate all the complications of my life. I think about all the craziness that's happening, and I just feel overwhelmed. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm at a different place, but that's what I do. And I sit there, and I'm just like, oh, and I wake up, and then I just go to the bathroom. I look at myself, and I'm just like, oh, God. And I just go some other, I just go, and I'm just trying to go, and, you know, you just, and you just kind of slug, and then I'm on the train, and it's just like, it's just like, should we know each other? We're so close. Good God. It's just everything's so crazy. And then you're just going through, and you're just like, and, 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 and life is just working on me. And I have to, and so I don't have a devotion life because I'm a super spiritual dude. I have a devotional life because I will go crazy when I am constantly contemplating my issues and the issues around me. I don't need to just, because I will go off. I will just go crazy. I need peace. And there's no peace around me. I'm trying to, it's like I'm looking around like, does anybody, you got peace? Anybody got peace? Anybody, you got peace? And I need to look up. I need to reach up where peace is. And guess where peace is? In him. 
It's in him. It's not, it's not on my news feed. It's not in my text message. I look over my wife. I'm like, hey, babe, you got peace? She's like, leave me alone. And I'm like, she ain't got peace. My kids, my kids, I'm like, how you doing? They're like, ah, I'm like, there's no peace over there. I go to work. Peace, and no peace. I need peace. Jesus is my peace. And you know what? He's my success too. You see, because it is crazy. I, I think we're a successful church. Praise God, we got two services. Yeah, right? It's not enough. Not enough for my heart. In other words, even though we have good things happening, there is a part of me that still wants more. And that's a good thing and a bad thing. My ambition is healthy and carnal all at the same time. And I have to reach for peace. I have to reach for success. I have to know who I am. And in this dark world, I need light to make sense of my world. There is, um, in science, there's this thing called phototropism. <clears throat> you learn it when you Google things, as I, as I did. Um, if you put if you put a plant in a room and you slide it over away from the light, what'll happen is the plant will begin to bend towards the light. What we will learn from creation is that the plant will go, where, where can I find light? Because where I find light, I'll also find life. So what it does is it says, okay, I can't stay where I am. So I need to bend myself and get over towards this light. And then you know what ends up happening. It starts to just hang itself on the light. All the vines start going. And before you know it, the light and the plant become one. So much so that it begins to occupy all the light because it wants more life. What I'm telling you is this. Reach for the light. Bend your life towards the light. Bend every aspect of your light towards the light, of your life towards the light. Because in the light there is life. There is fullness of joy in his presence. There's fullness of joy. And I'm telling you, the scriptures tell us to seek first the kingdom of God. And what it's basically saying is before you reach for anything else, reach for the light. Make sure that that is your priority, number one. Bend your life towards that. If that were to bend, if that plant were just to bend towards water or towards soil, it would be good and it would last, but it wouldn't be full. It has to have light. You must have the light of Jesus to be the full person that God has intended you to be because in him is life. And that light is the light. That life is the light of all men, of all men. We praise God that this light and life is to emanate throughout the world. He is the light of all men. But in another rendering, in the New International Version, it says he's the light of the world. That Jesus isn't just good for me and you or this or Brooklyn. He's good for everybody. And so we offer him. We offer him to you today if you don't know him. We offer him as the secret sauce of my life. People say, how do you stay? I mean, how do you stay so much at peace? Jesus. He, he, he's the center of my life. He says, 
My peace I give you. And you know what he says? A peace that's not of this world. Shh, take my peace. How do you have peace? I just take the peace of Jesus. And I pray that you would bend all of your life towards the light. And then I pray that people would see you and they'd bend their lives towards you because they see the light of Jesus in you. He is the light of the world. Father, we thank you for the life that you have given us. We thank you for the light that you are. And we ask you in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we ask you, remind us that we must believe. Deepen our belief in you today. In Jesus' name. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you and we hope to see you soon.